Welcome to Eye to Eye, the podcast of the Royal College of Ophthalmologists. My name is Sunil Mamtora, and I will be your host. Today, I'm joined by Melanie Corbett, a consultant ophthalmologist at the Western Eye Hospital and the tele-learning lead at the Royal College of Ophthalmologists. We're also joined by Rebecca Ford, a consultant ophthalmologist at the Bristol Eye Hospital and the chair of education at the Royal College. Thank you both for joining me today to talk about Inspire, which has been worked on for seemingly a really long time. So first of all, congratulations for bringing this to the end. Um, am I right in thinking that the platform is now live and everyone can access the material on it? Yes, we, we went live just recently. And so it means that anyone who's a member can access all the materials that are on the platform. Of course. So you know, we've been hearing you know, in iMail, in college news and at college events that work on the Inspire platform has been going on for some time now. When did you start working on the platform and what inspired you to, <laughs> to start working on the Inspire platform? I think really this started when I took over the role as chair of education, which was now five and a half years ago. Um, part of my vision for the college was that we should be able to provide learning for all members, all forms of learning, uh, for every single grade of ophthalmologist and also to address all their roles, whether that be clinical or trainers, researchers, managers, leaders um, and so on. Um, and be, that people should be able to access education when and where they want it. So that was the original concept. Um, and then it was actually in the pre-COVID era that we decided that we needed an online learning platform. Um, but And so we started looking at how that could be produced. Um, but then we were actually facilitated when COVID came along and suddenly everyone was recording their online materials, which meant that we had access to a lot more video materials, to recorded live events, and we weren't just dependent upon text materials, images and so on. Um, so that way we had a much wider range of materials and it was much easier to tap the expertise um, of the top specialists within our specialty, um, as well as um, all the other ophthalmologists and practitioners um, who we work with. And you're right, Sunil, that an enormous amount of work has gone into this project. I'd really like to thank Melanie for leading it, as well as the whole RCOP telelearning steering group, especially Michael Williams, Sinead Connolly, Alex Titko, Gareth Brennan and Graham Mulholland. Huge credit is also due to the D12 development team and all the editors we've recruited who are busy gathering content for the platform. So it sounds as if you guys have been working on this for around, you know, a good two or three years. How has the experience been in terms of from the beginning to now? I think it's really been quite exciting. Um, we've had to learn a lot along the way. And also, I think that this is such a rapidly evolving field within education that things are changing as well. And so as we've gone along, we've had to learn quite a lot um, from members, what members want, what opportunities there are. We've had to um, organise things in terms of a whole project management system. We've had to learn um, IT systems. Um, we've already got quite a lot of experience in education, but it's a question of developing those educational um, practices in an online environment, um, whereas we're previously far more used to doing it in a live environment. You know, what would you say has been maybe like the biggest challenge that you've experienced over the last couple of years in regards to getting the platform to come to this point? I think it's really coordinating the different um, 
IT systems, because it's not just a case of having the platform. We've also got to have ways that people can log in, um, ways that we can record the learning that they're doing so that they can output to their appraisals, the way that the college can actually monitor the system as to how it's being used, which bits are best, um, so that we can then get that kind of feedback so we can develop the platform in future. So we're actually having to integrate um, at least four different IT systems to get this to work. You know, I think it's sometimes easy as an end user for systems like this just to use the platform, learn from the modules that have been developed and sometimes almost forget about the incredible amount of work that goes on behind the scenes to make sure that this content's available for us. So thank you to both of you and the rest of the team that you mentioned. And, you know, congratulations on, again, for getting it all the way here. Uh, Melanie, you just mentioned there when you were talking about the platform and who it's been designed for, um, that there'll be topics of relevance to everyone but will there just be clinical topics or do you plan on having non-clinical topics so say you know things like leadership and management development as well as um, you know practical skills for ophthalmologists the way that the platform has been structured is that we have uh, three main areas there's clinical knowledge which covers all the specialties within ophthalmology there's professional development that covers all our roles So as a clinician, it's things like skills, decision-making, curriculum, and so on. Uh, But as well as a clinician, we have as a a trainer, a researcher, a manager, and a leader. And then the third section is personal development. So for each group of ophthalmologists, whichever stage they're at, um, whether it's as trainees or SAS or um, new consultants, established ophthalmologists, um, and also we have a section on um, uh, well-being and mentoring, as well. So we're actually addressing every career stage as well. So it really is every, everyone's interests, everyone's um, roles and everyone's stage. We've hopefully got something that we'll, they'll find beneficial. Yeah. The other thing is that this is by members for members. So if members have something that they want to see on there, if they let us know or ideally even contribute something to the platform, uh, then it will help us to grow the topics that our members want to see so we mentioned that there's lots of material and topics and work being done to generate material for ophthalmologists. But, you know, say, how about, you know, budding ophthalmologists, say medical students or foundation doctors, or say, how about even allied health professionals, you know, maybe nurses, physician associates, orthoptists or optometrists or any other group who might be interested in developing their you know, knowledge and skills in ophthalmology? Are we planning to make content for them? We are, because that's a really topical point. We're, the college as a whole is about to launch the new associate memberships, which means that undergraduate and foundation doctors, ophthalmic practitioners and probably GPs with a special interest will also be able to join the college as associate members. So it's really important that we develop content for them as well. And we aim for content to be available at all levels. We anticipate that all members will have access to all the membership content, but it will be flagged to let people know which level it's at and uh, there will be programs that will help people to find the right the right content for them at their stage. How about for you know say consultant ophthalmologists in the UK who aren't members of the college will they able to be accessing the materials without becoming members of the college or maybe pay separately to have just access to the platform? Well we will be encouraging as many people as possible to become members and we hope that the, the learning that's available on the platform will maybe be the push that some people need to join but it's possible in the fullness of time that people will be able to sign up to this by subscription 
it's impossible to make it free access to everybody and we, we really want it to be a be benefit for our members uh, because obviously there is a fee, there's a user fee attached that the college has to pay per user. So so anybody that's not a member probably would have to pay a subscription. Yeah, I can understand that. And I can imagine that you know the, the amount of data that's hosted on the system, the amount of traffic that's generated from streaming videos, movies, pictures, modules, is probably a, a quite a significant cost for the college. So I think it's really great that the college has invested so much in developing this platform. Yes, it has been a significant upfront investment, but we think that in the long term, it'll be well worthwhile because this will allow ophthalmologists all around the country to have access to the best and up-to-date educational materials. I'm, I'm just thinking, you mentioned just across the country there, but actually, why stop at the country? I mean, we have such an international membership where listeners and uh, members all over the world can access the materials and maybe it might be a way to increase our international membership and reach as well. I was going to say, I think that's that's very important because, firstly, we, we do have members all across the globe. Things like the 6-6-2020 the, um, event, uh, we had a lot of people signing into that. Uh, we're also extending the reach of our exams to a lot of different centres around the world. And so it means that people who are sitting our exams in different countries who don't have access, for example, to our own training scheme, they can actually still get UK-based materials. And it's the type of materials that will be examined um, in our exams process. So I think it's highly relevant for the international membership as well. And the other group that we'd really like to support is the, the groups around the world with whom we've got international links. So for example, COEXA is the College of Ophthalmology of East, Central and Southern Africa, where we've been running um, training the trainers programs, supporting their exams, their curriculum, their leadership programs, their research and so on. Um, and it means that if we can manage to have um, a partnership arrangement with them, that we can actually support um, the way that they're developing their ophthalmologists, which is actually to some extent based on what we're doing within the UK. Uh, but there are, there are also other partnerships around the world that we'd, we'd like to uh, support as well. And the point about the exams and the curriculum is very relevant because we hope that in the fullness of time that we're going to have material on the platform that's that's got something linked to each curriculum outcome, each of the learning outcomes and each area of the exam syllabus. Sure. Well, you know, Rebecca, you mentioned before that the content on the Inspire platform is by members and for members. You know, I think one of the most important things that ophthalmologists uh, or anyone wants to ensure when they you know, go on a platform such as this, is that the material is you know, relevant, correct and factually accurate. Does the material submitted go through any sort of fact-checking process or review before it's published? It does. So there's going to be an editorial process and we've appointed an editorial board that includes um, a consultant level editor for each programme, uh, as well as a trainee level co-editor. And each of those pairs will be able to assemble their own editorial team. So everything that's submitted will be reviewed both for fact checking and quality of the content and also quality of the materials, that, the way that they're presented. So if it's a video, they'll be fact they'll be checking to make sure that it's good enough quality to be uploaded onto the onto the system. And you mentioned there that the material will be useful for exam preparation and revision in terms of exams offered by the college. Are there any plans to say tag various lectures or content or material that might be especially useful for different exams at all? Yes, there is, because the, the platform is accessed through the course catalogue. 
um, and there's a series of drop down menus of groupings. And within those, one of them is the exams grouping. So, for example, if you're sitting your part one exam um, and you click on that, then in every single clinical program has got a course called structure and function, um, which is actually the basic science component uh, for that clinical area. And then there's some other materials such as uh, microbiology and epidemiology and so on, optics, um, that will appear in the in the part one exam. So it's a way of an exam candidate trying to locate the materials which are particularly relevant to them. Um, and for, for example, the, for the part two, there's a lot of the clinical decision-making programs, which are examples of cases where you're led through a case and they might, you might start with a picture of the case and you're asked, oh, you know, what are the, what are the signs here? Um, and then you've got the opportunity to think about it. Then you, you know, flip the card over and then you see the answers uh, and then it'll work your way through as, you know, are these typical of, of this particular kind of condition? What's the differential diagnosis? What are the different management options? And it'll lead you through in the kind of way that you would be asked questions in an exam. It's actually the kind of way that you approach a, a patient in the clinical setting as well. Um, where you have to make decisions as you go along. Yeah, there's lots of ways that the platform can make can make things interactive in terms of having uh, questions, self-test questions, the flip cards that Melanie mentioned. And we're in conversation with the exam committee at the moment about uh, how we can build up perhaps a bank of, of mock questions that people can use through the platform if they're preparing for the exams. So that's great. So it sounds as though there's a level of interactivity that can be offered to people using the platform. So it's not just, you know, watching videos and reading text. There's actually interactive elements like quizzes, questions uh, and other such things that you can do. And, you know, say once you've finished a module or you might have participated in a quiz in the module, is there an option to maybe generate a, you know, a certificate as proof of participation so that people can show that they've engaged with CPD or put something on their portfolio? Yes, I mean, every unit on the platform has a, a final um, section in it, um, which is actually like a single quiz question. And what the quiz question says is, have you undertaken any learning in this module? And when you tick the answer yes, um, then it means that there's a function called CPD log, and it then logs the fact that you've done some learning in that particular course on your log. And then that log can be downloaded, for example, like a PDF. And so you can put it into your appraisal, into your portfolio uh, as proof of engagement on the platform. One thing I've just been thinking while you've been talking about the platform is it almost reminds me of my experience as a junior trainee when I've been accessing the e-learning for health platform, which I think is operated by Health Education England. And that platform has a number of ophthalmology related modules on the eyesight part of the website. What's going to happen to the ELFH platform now that the Inspire platform exists? Because I imagine there's quite a lot of crossover there. There is potentially, and we would like all of our members to be able to find all of their e-learning needs through the Inspire platform. So at the moment, we're we're liaising with e-learning for health to work out ways that their e-learning for health material can actually be um, launched via the Inspire platform and it, it, it won't be up and running for a little bit but it, sh- it appears that it will be possible for us to be able to integrate the stuff that's already been done on e-learning for health into our Inspire courses. So I guess this is probably the most important question and maybe a silly question for most of the listeners but how do you actually access the platform? Is there an app? Can it be accessed from your phone and iPad? 
Do you have to do it from a laptop? Is there a certain web browser or how do you actually go to the platform? So if any any device where you can access the web, you can access the platform. Um, so certainly computers, tablets, mobiles, and it can be accessed through the Royal College website. Um, so there'll be a button on the website where you can always find the access also, there'll be materials coming out where we're highlighting the, the new things that are on the platform, for example. Um, and so that will come out through social media or through news items, through emails, where you'll be able to click and to actually start the access to the platform. And then from there, you can then go onto the course catalogue where you enrol. And then once you're enrolled in the courses, you can uh, access them through the uh, Inspire platform. Yeah, we thought it was really important when we were going through the procurement process to have something that could be launched from any type of, of device or whether it's your computer or your phone so that it can be accessible at any time. And the Brightspace platform, which is the software that's that's the learning management software that's in the background of, of Inspire, um, that should be able to be launched from any of those devices. So we've talked previously about how a lot of the content is generated by members. Um, you know, say there's a member listening who's who wants to be involved with the process and submit their own content. What kind of material are you actually looking for to be submitted? The material can be in in any format. Uh, so whether it's it's text associated with pictures, um, it can be videos, uh, videos for example of clinical skills, surgical skills, videos of lectures, videos of discussions. Um, basically any sort of learning materials because we want to have a good variety on the platform partly because different people learn in different ways um, partly because um, we can actually even have um, different media about similar topics um, so that you can get things from different angles and you can then build up your experience um, and it also means if there's a good variety on the platform that then it keeps people interested and excited about what might appear next. And if people are not sure how to submit, well, Melanie and the team are, are working up some templates that will help people uh, to be able to submit so that if, for example, you're thinking you've got a really interesting case report that you would like to submit, we can provide a template that will help you structure that in a way that can go on to the system easily. There is a submission form which can currently be accessed through the college website um, and it's basically a Word document. And you, you put in the text um, under certain headings which lead you through in an educational manner. It has the opportunity for writing both sides of a flip card with a question and an answer um, or for inserting a video. So what you do is once you've prepared that on the Word document, you then upload the Word document and also any files that go with it. So image files, video files, etc., um, and then those can be uploaded separately into a learning material on the platform. And we do have an email address, don't we, that, that Melanie, that's um, specific to Inspire, is inspire at rcop.ac.uk. So if people are having any trouble with how to upload something or how to access that contributions page, if they send us an email via that that inspire at rcop.ac.uk, we can put them in touch with the relevant member of the editorial team. Sure. So, you know, in the same way that, for example, I might be considering writing a paper on a certain topic and want to submit it to I, and before I submit it, I, you know, you can email the editorial board or the editorial coordinator to ask if that topic might be relevant interest. 
is that possible? And can you contact that inspirer at rcops.ac.uk just to inquire whether they might be interested in the topic that someone might want to make a module about before they put the effort into making it? Absolutely, uh, because any of those emails coming into there will be forwarded to either uh, one of the, um, the the main team or one of the editorial teams. And I think it's it's useful, particularly in the early stages, if, before people have got used to using the platform and really seeing all the opportunities that there are on the platform. It means that we can actually give people guidance um, and help people to produce you know, really valuable, really interactive sorts of material. Sure. What people might think of submitting is um, a PowerPoint presentation where it's a series of slides without an audio, for example. Um, whereas you know that that's not the ideal way of providing materials on the platform. Whereas actually to take some of the material from those slides and embed it into the templates and to make it more interactive or to add small sections of video for. 30 seconds, 10 minutes, whatever, and to intersperse that with text and questions and pictures and so on to mix it all up and make it really varied so that every bit of material is being provided in the best way possible. Yeah, it's fairly well known that when people are looking at e-learning, they, they don't they don't tend to focus on one single video recording for half an hour at a time. So for members who might be thinking of creating some material, if you've got a talk that you're thinking of recording, I would encourage you to think about ways that you can chunk it into shorter sections and then maybe that could be interspersed on the platform with a little bit of explanatory text or some flip cards or some some questions or some prompts to check that people are taking in what they should be learning. The, the other thing to mention is if, if you have got a really good talk that you've prepared, because we all put in so much work into preparing talks or uh, case discussions things like that and then sometimes we might just use it at regional teaching and then it, it doesn't see the light of day again and so if you have something that you'd really like to reach a wider audience it, there are fairly straightforward ways of recording um, ju just recording your powerpoint on, on the up-to-date version of powerpoint you can actually do audio recordings over your slides um, i've done that a few times and you, you can even re-edit what you've recorded so that if if what you say for a particular slide doesn't come out the way you want it, you can re-record it. And then there's other things like like Prezi or doing your presentation with Zoom if you want to um, show your own face while you're talking to make it a little bit more animated and engaging. Sounds brilliant. What would you say to ophthalmologists or members who don't just want to submit their content to the platform, but are also keen to, say, be involved in the editorial process or to be part of the peer review process for content that's submitted. Is that an opportunity that's available? Absolutely. We're, we're very keen for people to join the platform at this stage. We have um, at least two editors per programme at the moment, 26 programmes, um, and no doubt there'll be turnover of those editors over time. But also within the editorial team of each programme, we have a role which is an instructor stroke reviewer role. Um, and we're, we're happy to have interested people who join in that role. So if you are interested in, in coming on board with us, just email that inspire at rcops.ac.uk email address um, say what sort of programme you'd like to be involved in and you know, a couple of lines about your level of experience and then we can put you in contact with the right editor and then you can join their team. But we really are looking for members to get involved and be able to contribute to this. 
yeah, this platform is only going to be as, as strong as the, the members that are contributing to it. So. Well, we'll put a link to the email address that you can contact in the show notes so that anyone can find that afterwards. Um, one of my final questions really for both of you is, you know, now that the platform was launched, you know, what are the next steps? And you know, what would you say that your you know, long-term aspirations and visions for the platform are? I think at launch, we've got to the stage where we've built the platform and we have examples of materials in the different programmes. But really, this is a very small proportion of the materials that we hope to have on this platform. Um, And also the platform will continue to evolve over years. So we want to continue to have material, particularly submitted by members. Some will be created by the editorial teams. And so we need to... have members identifying if there are any gaps in materials so that we truly have something for every single member for all their interests, their clinical interests, their professional interests, their personal interests. So it is the the go-to place for education for college members. I think I would echo that sentiment from Melanie that this is this is for the future we want to really make this the go-to place for college members Um, and we do just have to remember that Rome wasn't built in a day. We're really just at the beginning of this um, and there's so many exciting opportunities to build the content um, and make this exactly what our members want it to become. So we, we do have a, a webinar for um, all members and others who are interested as well. This is on the Thursday, the 10th of November from 8pm to 9.30pm. And you need to register through the link on the Inspire page of the Royal College website. And then you can join us. We will be demonstrating um, some of the materials. We'll be explaining how to get onto the platform, how to get involved, how to submit your materials. And there'll also be an opportunity for you to ask questions as well. Um, So we do hope that you will be able to join us on the 10th of November. Whilst having a virtual glass of champagne to celebrate, I hope. Yeah, we hope so. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I've got one more final question. Um, you know, we've heard of the the term and the name Inspire throughout this interview. And I just really want to know, where did that name come from? Who thought of it and how did that happen? I can tell you exactly how that came about, because I was thinking about how can we, how can we name this that in one word encapsulates everything that we want the platform to be. And we want it to be stimulating. We want it to be engaging. We want it to interest people, to entice them in and for them to get involved and to develop into something better over over many years. And I was actually cycling to work on my bicycle in the middle of Hyde Park. I've been tossing around a few names in my head and suddenly I thought, inspire. That encompasses most of what we're trying to achieve. We did actually have a process where we had quite a few different names put forwards. We had a a relatively large group of staff members, education committee and others who thought about a few different words, what they meant, um, the images that they conjured up, the feeling they conjured up. um, But actually, it came back to inspire. The amazing thing is that in a completely separate process, the College Council and Uh, executive have been working on developing the college values so that we've got stated values for what the college is all about and as it turns out they all begin with I as well so we've got inclusion integrity innovation and improvement and so Inspire just fitted really well with that too. That's fantastic well thank you both so much for joining me tonight that's been really interesting and I can't wait for the webinar Uh, details will be in the show notes. Thank you Sonia.
Thanks very much.